Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. And I want you to take your Bible, if you have them, turn to Isaiah chapter 40. I'm going to be reading four verses in your hearing, beginning in verse 28. Uh, I'm trusting that these verses will be on the screen. I am going to ask God to use me to say to us what he wants to say. And I'm going to be listening, and I want you to listen as well. In Isaiah 40, 28, the Bible says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There's no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. I want to preach to you this morning from a question. Do you know how to quit? Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for allowing me to be here today. God, I thank you for each person who's come out. And I ask you now, God, to anoint my mouth and my mind. God, strengthen me to say only the things that would honor you, God. I pray that you would strengthen my back and my neck and teach us today what you want us to know from your word, by your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know how to quit? I'm going to jump halfway in. I'm going to punch line real quick, and then I'm going to reel you back. There is a lot going on in the world. There's a lot going on in the world, and uh, some things we need to push forward with and other things we need to quit. And I want you to get ready in your mind today to learn how to make the difference. But we, we talk a lot about spiritual battle in our church because life is a fight. Four people said amen. I want to talk to all everybody after church. If your life has had no struggle, if your life has had no rub, if your life hasn't been ebb and flow, up and down, if your life hasn't been good days, bad days, happy days, and sad days, if you've just been sitting on the mountaintop your whole life uh, and everything in your life was fine and dandy like hard rock candy, I want to buy you lunch today. I want to rub, you, rub elbows with you if you've never had an issue. But the rest of us who breathe oxygen and live on this real planet, we understand life's a fight. Life's a fight. So sometimes, I mean, it, it's not even easy getting along sometimes with the people you say you love. Because <laughs> I didn't want to look at either one of your sons because they'd be like, oh, man, he's telling the truth about my dad early on Sunday. Listen, life is a battle. Say battle. Don't think that you're on an island by yourself. Don't think you're the only one. Don't think it's just you. The Bible says to not consider it a strange thing concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, not which may try you, could kind of somehow sort of. No, these things are going to happen. And listen, if you're not there right now, you're going to get there. I've told you before, you're in one of these places. You're either in the middle of a storm, you're just coming out of a storm, or you're going to get ready to go into a storm. You're like, preacher, you're not encouraging me. Oh, the encouragement's going to come. Let's be honest first. But let's, let's get to where we need to get to and admit that the truth about what's going on. Sometimes this battle wears us down. Sometimes if you've been in a prolonged fight, you, you get tired and your, your strength starts 
to fail. Sometimes the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Now, that, that's a wordy translation. What, what it literally means is when you've been wanting something for so long and you don't see it coming, it, it wears your emotions down. It causes a depression, if you will, even on the inside of the most optimistic person. And I want you to know there's a lot of hope that's been deferred in our lives. Our great hope as believers is being deferred right now. I wanted Jesus to come back today before we came to church so I wouldn't have to stand up here. Well, I wanted to come to church. Well, maybe you should be the pastor. Let's interview. Life is a battle. And, and sometimes we get tired and our strength gets to fall. See, that, that's why the, the Bible talks about... The, the, the spirit is willing, but what? The flesh is weak when you're tired, when you run down, when, when, when you're just out of gas. It's hard to get your praise on unless you get your mind right, unless you learn how to flip the switch. And we're going to talk about getting your mind right and flipping the switch this morning and getting to the place where we need to get to. I believe the two main reasons why we as believers, I want to talk to believers this morning. If you're here and you're not a Christian, I want you to know God loves you and he's got a plan for your life. And you can get in this category of believers simply by trusting in Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. I want to talk to saved people this morning about two main reasons why we get weak in the fight. Think about these with me. Number one, our strength is not being replenished through consistent times of refreshing. Say consistent. Consistent times of refreshing now i uh I, I'm, I'm not even going to you said why am i looking over here i i i'll pick on somebody else i love show i'm equal opportunity uh my brother-in-law and my sister have been dubbed by their children a a, a, a dietary name uh y'all remember what it is <laughs> they said it together they are the diet dropouts They've done every diet on the planet. And listen, doing what I'm right now, it's working really good, though. I see you're losing a lot of weight, so I, that, that's awesome. But they, they understand through successful diets and dropout diets that consistency is vital. Have you figured that out in life yet? Uh, man, uh, I hope you finish losing weight, son. You're still going to lose some more? Nixa, come on now. He won't eat. He eats. He's just going to the gym all the time. Deacon West has lost a lot of weight. And he's in that gym, and he's working out, and he's sweating off those, those rice and beans. He's sweating off those tostones. He's, he's sweating off that good mama cooking. Uh, he's sweating off uh, all that weight. And he could tell you there is a value in consistent effort in the gym. Now, how, how much? You, you lost, what, 30, 40 pounds? about 30 pounds, uh, was there any consistency involved in that? Could you have lost 30 pounds in the last year half-stepping it? You couldn't do it. You just can't do it. Uh, let, let, me, let me just pick on everybody. I'll, I'll, I'll never get a chance to see Bo. How's skateboard? Good. Y'all stop breaking stuff. <laughs> hey, but if you don't know, would it be fair to say, you're, you're the best skateboarder in the room. <laughs> he didn't even, he's a professional skateboarder, okay? This guy, he, he's phenomenal. Check out his YouTube channel. Get on his page. He, he knows, but could, could I just kind of like may, maybe give like one day a year to skateboarding and get as good as you? Wouldn't happen? <laughs> maybe in a thousand years. People who do stuff at a high level, the way he skateboards, the, the, the way people who get really good at something do, they talk a lot about the 10,000-hour rule. It, it takes thousands and thousands and thousands of hours to get really good at something. And most people here who are saved, you want to get good at honoring God. You want to be good at being a Christian. You want to be good at pleasing your creator. But uh, the problem is this inconsistency. It, it's just like church right now. Where's everyone at? 
Okay? And here's the thing. Somebody might be sitting in your seat next week when you were wondering where you're at. People come in with this rotating door. This crowd will come this week. Then they'll lay out for a week or two. Then that crowd will come. The Bible says God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And, and I believe there's a problem. And, and the problem is our strength is not being replenished through consistent times of refreshing. I want you to learn how to have discipline in your Christianity. God called us to be his disciples. What's the root word of disciple? Hallelujah. We, we, we got to get in God's word. We got to get the, the junk washed off our mind. You can't just go, go, go. Do, do, do. You, you, gotta, you got to rest in the Lord. You got to recharge your spiritual batteries. You need to learn how to spend time alone with God and have spiritual rest. Say rest. God wasn't tired on the seventh day. You, you read this creation account, you see that in six days God created the heaven and the earth and all that is in them. And on the seventh day, God rested. Now, when we rest, we're usually tired. Do, 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 do you think God was tired on the seventh day? Do like this. No, God was not tired. He rested because he is a great father and he teaches by example. And he wants us to learn how to rest as well. The second reason I believe we get weak in the fight is because we're fighting the battle on our own. We're fighting the battle on our own. Now, sometimes life will give you battles that you have to fight on your own. Sometimes you're the only one there to fight. But in the spirit realm, Jesus said when he sends the Holy Spirit, he will be in us and he will never leave us. So the believer is never alone. Why would you fight alone? The believer is never by him or herself. So why do we act like we only have our own strength? The Bible says the battle belongs to God. This, this, it, it's so crazy. I, I always use Deacon West as a great example. Uh, if, if Deacon West, if somebody jumped up on this stage and, and tried to confront me and he walked up and got between me and them, and I tried to push him away, and he says, I got this, Pastor. Y'all think with, with two broken backs and a broken neck in the last eight years, I, I should just step back, or I should say, move out the way. I, I'm, I'm going to do this on my own. Let the big man do the fighting. Why are you fighting a battle when you have someone Bigger, stronger, better, more capable, smarter, all-powerful that already said the battle belongs to him. See, Deacon West would say, your friend would say, your, your, your parent would say, I got this. Relax yourself. I've got this. When are you going to allow God to have your battles? Mm, think about it. We're going somewhere. Uh, I, I got great news for you. We talked about being tired, losing strength. If, if you feel a little weak today, you're in the right place. But it's going to take a lot of honesty to get you to admit that you feel weak. It's going to take a lot of honesty to get you to admit that you are not all that and a bag of chips. It's going to take a lot of honesty to get you to admit that you're not better than everyone else in the room and you're not perfect. It shouldn't. But for some of you, it will. Now, for the rest of the people, I'm going to tell you if, you, can, if you can be honest and say, man, I'm a little drained, honestly. You're in the right place at the right time. If you feel like that you're going to run out of strength, i got good news for you. If you ever, hear me good, if you ever run out of strength, when you finally run out of your own strength, that's the time and that's the only time that he'll let you tap into his. As long as you're out there doing it, as, as long as you're determined to take the wheel, y'all better listen to Carrie Underwood. What'd she say? Why don't y'all listen to some spiritual music every now and then? But that you need to stop fighting Jesus for the wheel of your life. And you need to let God have his way in your life. Let's look in our text in verse 28 of Isaiah 40. The scripture says, Hast thou not known? Now, this is a rhetorical question. This is a rhetorical question is a, is a question where the answer is or should be so obvious uh, that uh, everybody knows that you know the answer 
to that question. It's like when my mom used to say, do you want me to knock your head off? Uh, probably not. Uh, and when the Bible says, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, these are rhetorical questions. Listen, listen to the truth about who God is, that the everlasting God, comma, I'm going to tell you, I'm gonna to, I've told you, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you again. When you read the Bible, pay attention to the punctuation. That comma is caused for pause. I want you to stop, slow your reading down, digest what the Scripture is saying. Get it on the inside of you. The everlasting God. What kind of God? Oh, man, that's enough to run and shout on. That's enough to just throw money in the air and say hallelujah over. That, it, that ought to get, if, listen, if that don't light your fire, your wood's wet. If you don't realize and you're not excited that the God who has revealed himself to you is not a Johnny-come-lately God, he's not a God who's going to change God, he's not an old, tired God, he's not a God who's going to die off and leave you alone God, the God that we serve is the everlasting God. Not only that, he, he's the Lord. Now, when we say Lord, and, and we, I mean, it, it gets cultural. People, people just, oh, Lord. That, what, that, that, that may be, depending, we'd have to talk about it. It could be considered blasphemy, uh, depending. But in Scripture, in the Hebraic mindset, when they said, Lord, they were invoking large volumes of truth about the one they were talking about. And the Lord is the boss, the master, the controller, the, 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 the Messiah, the one who pays and the one who owns everything. This is who... The scripture wants us to understand God is the creator of the ends of the earth. So here's the setup. God is big. Say big. God is God. He's everlasting. He's 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 on top. He's the only God. He, he created everything. And, and then it says, then we're back to don't you know, haven't you heard that this God that the Bible is telling you about fainteth not. Say he doesn't faint. He doesn't faint, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. Here's, here's what I want you to see this morning. God never faints, and God never gets tired. This makes him unique. I've told you before, what, what did the ancients say about Jesus and about God? He's holy what? He's holy other. And you need to get this holy other concept in your mind because people will let you down. Pastor Scott will let you down. Your favorite friend will let you down. The people in your life, every, the Bible says the arm of the flesh will fail you. But God will never get tired. He doesn't, he's different, say different. He doesn't faint. He doesn't get tired. See, the devil wants you to think that God is tired of you. I've shared this with you in times past, the, the great revelation, and, and I just wish that somebody could get half the light bulb moment that I got. Uh, psychologists tell us these light bulb moments are conditions for change in our life where we finally see something uh, bright and, and vibrant in our minds. I, I had such a light bulb awakening when I was going through a battle many years ago early in my Christian life, and I was sitting there trying to pray, and I was thinking... He's just tired. I know you got to be tired of hearing me apologize, God. I know you got to be tired of hearing me say these same things. I know you got to be tired of me saying I will when I won't. Uh, I, I looked at what Paul said. Uh, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Because the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I, I wish I had five people that really lived a real life in this room. Uh, uh, that, that struggle. That sh- and I thought, i, I got to be the worst Christian on the planet. And God is probably just tired of me, and that same day as I was processing through all that bad thinking, I I fell upon this passage of Scripture, and I read that he never faints. He never gets tired. And and, and, and it uh, it, it was even as this awareness came over me that I realized if God can't get tired, then he is not tired of me. And it changed something in my life. It sparked something in my life. It made me understand uh, that, because I heard all the scriptures, a righteous man falleth six times, yea, seven. Uh, what, what does that mean? Even good people fall down a lot. 
Allah, but the Bible says a righteous person falls down six times, even seven. But one disaster is enough to keep the wicked down forever. Falling down doesn't make you wicked. Staying down makes you wicked. Even good people, we, we get up, we fall down. We get up, we, we fall down. And, and God let me know, son, I'm not tired of you. Now, see, the reason why that's just such a light bulb moment is because I know people have been tired of me in my life. Can we just get honest? Let me tell you something. People are tired of you too. As, as a parent, and now some of y'all can't admit it because y'all are scared of your children. There's therapy classes for you. As parents, we get tired of these children. We get tired of telling them over and over and over and we get tired of seeing them score high on tests and score low on grades check one two 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 see real sound men don't say one more than one time they say check one two 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 because two 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 we get tired of our kids they get on our nerves we, we, we want to, hey, I don't know about everybody. I learned this from my mama. She's sitting right there. Listen, don't, don't ever, if you ever, if, if Mimi adopts you and you move into her house and you, and you start living with her and you even act like you ain't happy there, she will pack a bag for you. Hold the door and straight on down the street. We get tired of them. And so we, we, we sometimes, we, we look at God and we forget that he's holy other. But you got to remember that he's holy other. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't give up. As, as people, we come to this place we call our wit's end or the end of our rope. Hear me good. God is not at his wit's end with you. You have not frustrated God. Your failures have not frustrated him and your successes have not wowed him. He chose to love you, listen, just as you are. He loved you before you loved him. God's not waiting on us to get perfect. Thank God. Uh, every good parent in the room not waiting on their child to get perfect before you start loving that child. He never faints. He never gets tired. Oh, man, I, I used to be nervous, wondering things like, what must God think of me? How can I keep asking him to forgive me? And, and all this stuff over and over and over. And then I realized he never gets tired. And then I, so I did some searching and I thought, well, what does he think of me? Because, you know, some, some of y'all, some of y'all were the black sheep in your own family. Amen. Nobody wants to admit it. <laughs> Is the black sheep on y'all? Is he in the Navy right now? He's probably in the Navy. Um, <laughs> Let's pick on him. He ain't here. Um, and, and his wife just said he looks like an old man, so he's, he's got that going against him. But somebody was the black sheep. In the, I, I know I was. Somebody has to be. And, and you may feel like at times you're the black sheep in the spiritual family. Sometimes you may feel like other people are better Christian than you. Sometimes you may feel like you're, you're falling behind where you need to be. And, and I was thinking, you know, what does God really think of me? And I found this verse of Scripture. I know Uncle Ken loves this verse. Uh, I know it's been important to him uh, for many years in his life, and it's a fantastic verse of Scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. God said, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. One translation says, To give you a hope and a future. God says, I know what I think about you, and, and they're good thoughts. They're not bad thoughts. Here's the great news. When God looks at you, he's not judging you the way everybody else is. Remember the picture on the refrigerator that, that, that your little child drew. Little three-year-old, little four-year-old, draw colors in that picture. They can't draw. They color in the picture. And, you know, half the face is purple and the other half is green and got one blue arm and, 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 and one, one yellow arm and uh, Everything's colored outside the lines, but some kind of way the kid writes on the bottom of it, I love you, and you hang that on the refrigerator, and you're like, boom, Picasso, 
gifted. This child is gifted. I, I think this child, well, they, uh, a savant. I think this child is just destined. And, 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 and when somebody like me looks at it, I'm like, I think your child might be slow. <laughs> Have you had him tested? What world does he see people look like that? But in your mind, this is artwork. And it's not that it's good. It's not that it's colored properly. It's not that it's all inside the lines. It's that the child that you already decided you're in love with gave you something and you accept it. God said we're accepted in his family. And I want you to give God praise this morning for loving you just how you are. He's got good thoughts about you. He's not tired of you. He doesn't have one bad thought about you. He, he knows what he thinks about you. It's good thoughts. So he's not tired of me and he's not tired of you. And I want us to realize this morning how much he loves us so that we can see the key to tapping in to his strength. Because here's the reality. Life, if you're not feeling it right now, can sometimes wear you down. Hardship can come. Difficulty can come. I mean, we just went through this, this train wreck of... Um, a, a vulgar person and, and a person who can't finish three sentences in a row without losing his train of thought run run for office. We we just had we just had to pick a president out, out of two old people that that uh, just you know I ain't even gonna hurt your feelings with it. But it, we we just went through a horrible election. We just went and and I told you it didn't matter to me who won. Jesus is is is, is my king and he's the only one I believe in. I trust me, none of the people are gonna gonna save me. But we've got this pandemic going on. We've got just people crazy, wilding out. We got arguing and fighting on every level. And just the news will drive you crazy. And if you haven't got to the place yet where you've become tired or worn down, it's coming. Look at somebody say, it's coming. So I want to tell you what to do when you're ready. I want to tell you how you can really tap into the Lord's strength as we look at this passage. I want us to see three things that we have to do to have God's strength. Number one, we have to faint. Say faint. God doesn't faint, but you better. God, now, I don't think I've ever fainted in the natural. I mean, I guess that's something you would know that you had done. Um, anybody, ever really, anybody ever faint? See somebody faint? I can't imagine it, it would be fun to watch. I mean, boy, if I fainted right here, I got a really big head. It would hit first because it's heavy. Um, Boom! And would it would bounce. I hope it'd be on video. But we have to faint. Fainting is not something people like to do. Fainting is not something that we find comfort in. Fainting is really, we resist it because it, you, you want to hold on. You want to look strong. You want to look capable. You want to handle your business. And God said, we have to faint. In Isaiah 40, verse 29, in our text, he says, he gives power to the who? Okay, he gives power to the faint, semicolon. Pause on the punctuation. Pay attention to the punctuation. Let's perfect our understanding. He, who's, who's the he here? God gives power to the faint. Now, we talk a lot about biblical principles at Abundant Life. Now, the inverse of this truth, if he gives power to the faint, what does he do to people who don't faint? He don't give power. So if you faint, God gives you power. If you don't faint, the power you have is your own. And I want to tell you something. His power is better than our power. That word power here in the original language, it means strength, might, force, ability. That's what we need. We need strength, and we need power, and we need Ability, because if we're going to do all that God has called us to do and be all that God has called us to be, we're not going to accomplish that in our own strength. But he said that he gives power to the faint. Uh, we, we, we don't always like to admit that we need power because most people are, are too proud for that. But I want you to come to the place in your life this morning where you realize you need more power. You need more power. You need more strength. If you could fix yourself, you would already be fixed. If you could cheer yourself up, you'd already be cheery. If you could break the addictions you have, they would already be broken. If you could level every rough spot out on your path, it would already be level. But we need God. Can somebody say amen? amen. 
But to get all that, you have to faint. That's what qualifies you to get his power. He tells us plainly, he gives power to the faint. Now, I'm not saying just faint over right now in the natural. I'm talking about in the spiritual. But I got to believe real quick, if I pulled $1,000 out of my front pocket and I said anybody who comes up here and, and faints or just makes a good show to look like you're fainting, I'm going to give you $1,000 every time you do it. Some of y'all be fainting, get up, fainting, get up, fainting, get up, fainting, get up. Where you at? Where? If you believe there is a reward for the activity you should do the activity. Now, the promised reward is that God's going to give power to the faint. So we need to faint. That's what qualifies us to get it. Now, that word in the Hebrew means to have a complete lack of strength, to be weak to the point of losing control of your own faculties. Now, people don't really like this. People don't. I, I remember one time, uh, Mr. Walton asked John Boy. John Boy was always perfect on the Waltons, but every now and then he'd have a moral crisis. So not always, but mostly perfect. Uh, some of y'all old enough to watch the Waltons. And one time Mr. Walton asked John Boy, he said, Boy, have you temporarily taken leave of your senses? John Boy had temporarily taken leave of his senses. He said the wrong thing to his dad. Now, dad was expecting that out of him other 75 children, but he didn't expect John Boy to temporarily take leave of his senses. And this is what this means when, when you faint to be at the point of losing control of your own faculties. And I want to tell you, John Boy immediately said, no, sir. But he had. So not only had he taken temporary leave of his senses, but when his father questioned him about it, he lied about it and said, no, I have not temporary. He said, we want this illusion of control. We want this illusion of I'm okay. We want this illusion of I got this. We want this illusion of I can handle me. You handle you. But God says to get his power, we have to faint. You got to pass out, just fall slap out, lose all your own control, and give up. Notice what I didn't say you have to do to get God's strength. I didn't say you have to memorize the whole Bible. I didn't say you have to be a genius theologically. I, I didn't say you have to be the smartest, strongest, prettiest, most talented, sharpest knife in the drawer. I didn't say you had to be the brightest light bulb bright, uh, in the closet. I just said you have to faint. You have to give up. You have to quit. There's so many things. Things working against this biblical command of us to faint. So, so here's my question. Do you even know how to quit? See, there's some people in the room where quitting doesn't come easy, and I get that. There's some people in the room that just keep ramming their head into the wall no matter what. Just keep banging, and it just, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. Listen, there are times in life where you need to quit. There are things in life that you need to give up on. But we're told our whole lives, don't quit, don't quit. Winners never what? Quitters never what? Sometimes that's true. But in this capacity and in certain areas and in certain things, we need to let go. We need to learn how to give up. We need to learn how to quit. You, we, we can do it. You just got to stop trying so hard to hold it all together. See, control is an illusion. Inner strength is an illusion. If you're saved at all, here's what you had to admit to God. I can't do it on my own, sir. I need you. So then we try. We get that. God saves us. And in some kind of way, we forget. God, God used Paul to ask his friends, have you so quickly change you you came into christianity by faith are you now trying to live by the flesh and that's exactly what so many of us do we we come to god saying i need thee oh i need thee and and then we say i got this oh i got this no realize god is greater if you come to this realization it's going to change your life that's what qualifies you to get his power you got to you got to quit being in control, you got to give up, you got to faint. The second thing that we have to do is to have no might. Say no might. Now, this, this gets even harder. For some people, the concept of quitting, I ain't going to quit. 
I had an old man tell me one time, do something, boy, even if it's wrong. That kind of dude never quits. He's just going to keep hammering. He's just going he's, he's to make it work. Uh, old people fixed everything with a hammer. Y'all remember that generation? TV was fuzzy. What? Bam! Eight, even if you didn't have a hammer, the palm strike. Uh, the eight-track skipping. That didn't fix it. That didn't fix it. Jam some paper up in there and slam it all together. We want to force our way into fixing things. But the Bible says many times God's ways are not our ways. Do you agree with that? He has better ways than we have. And, and, and we have to get to this realization. We've got to get to this place where we understand that we have no might. Look at verse 29. He gives power to the faint and to them who have no might, he increases strength. Now, let's go back to proper hermeneutics. Let's go back to biblical principles. Let's go back to understanding Scripture. Let's, let's, let's look again at the inverse principle. The Bible says that he gives power to the faint, and to them who have no might, he increases their strength. So God increases the strength of people who have no what? So inversely, if you think that you're all that in a bag of chips, he's not going to increase your what? You're on your own. You're on your own, and that's nowhere for the Christian to be. For us to get this increase of strength, because let me tell you something, there is a power from on high. There is a way to tap in to the all-powerful God to where you're floating through life and not climbing uphill both ways in the snow, barefoot. There, there is a way to tap into this strength, but you've got to come to the place where you recognize that there is no might. I, I thought about this verse for a long time, and I thought, okay, well, who are these people to them that have no might? So, you know, if you look at somebody, Elder Jimmy's competitive. He's almost as competitive as I am, but I can't let him be more competitive than me because I'm competitive. <laughs> if you, well, if you, y'all ought to try this with your dad. If, if you told him, Dad, you just have no strength. You just got no might, old dude. You just got old, and you used to have might, but now you have no might. How, how, how many of y'all know? That's just going to not, that's, that's just going to, that's just not going to sit right. In his natural, that's not going to sit right. But he's not the only one. Most people don't like to be told, you're weak. You're weak. You can't do it. You can't make it. But he says he gives power to the faint and to those and, and, and to them that have no might, he increases their strength. So if you look at the inverse, if you think that you have strength and power, guess what he's not going to give you? He's not going to give you strength. He's not going to increase your strength. And this is what we desperately need because I'm telling you what. Hard times are just around the corner. That's not a negative prophecy. That's just reality. But I tell you this, with God's help, we can make it. And it won't even be hard if we learn how to let him make it for us. The, the definition of that word might in the original language means the authority or resources to do a difficult thing. <laughs> it's not easy to be all God wants you to be. It's not easy to do all that God wants you to do. It's not easy to be riding down the road on 103rd Street, minding your business, staying in your lane, and then when that person comes over on you, they want to flip you off. Well, we ain't got to the hard part yet. Dealing with that and smiling at them and, and, say, and saying, Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I'd love to crash my navigator into you. Oh, how I love Jesus as I run you off the road. Mm. When people act crazy, that's when we need it the most. And let me tell you something. You can't avoid it. You can't, you can't get away from these places. You, 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 you've got to realize that you got to faint. you got to give up. you got to admit that you have no might. See, because there's places where everyone has no might. The difference is some people admit it and some people don't. So we, we got to get to these places. Now, we can all do the first part. We can faint 
if we allow ourselves just, just to let go and lose control, just to pass out, give it all over to God. And, and we can even do the second point if we get serious and honest about ourselves and realize I'm not strong enough. That, that's a hard call for some of you to make, but that's the true call of Christianity. I'm not strong enough to make it on my own. I need him. Uh, we, 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 we can do that. After we faint, we get to the place. If you look at yourself, okay, you just fainted, and you got no strength. You're a mess right now. You're like the old lady on the commercial. What'd she say? Help! I've fallen, and I can't get up. Old lady was primed and ready for God to step into her situation. When she realized, I have fallen, and I can't. Get up. Listen, when you get in a position where the only one that can help you is God and you recognize that, he's on his way. So when you get to that place, I've fallen and I can't get up. You're a mess. But look at verse 30. Read, read, read verse 30. Uh, as, 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 listen to it as I read aloud. Even the youths shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. Now, why is God going at young folk right here? Why, why, is, he, why is he saying that, that, that listen, some of y'all got kids. It, it, it's in the natural. It's hard to tire out some of these kids. You're worried about them eating a piece of candy because they'll be up for nine hours. Listen, the Bible says here that even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. God's not attacking youth here. God's not, God's not saying that, that young, young people... Uh, uh, don't, don't have strength. What he's saying is everybody, no matter how much energy you have, no matter how young and vibrant you are, no matter how strong and capable you are, everybody gets tired and everybody can fall down. You need to get to the place where you do that and not beat yourself up over it. Listen, some of y'all have fainted already. Some of y'all are down and out right now. Some of y'all know you don't have enough strength to get up and keep going. You're forcing your way through life. You're not living an abundant life. You're just getting up on Monday trying to get through till Tuesday. And that's existing and that's not living. And God's got a higher plan for your life than that. Now we come to this third point, and, and, and this is where it, it, it's a make or break point. The, the third thing we have to do is wait on the Lord. Say wait. We have to wait on the Lord. Verse 31 says, but they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Now, that word renew means get new strength. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, he just said even young people are going to get tired and faint. He just said even young, strong, capable people are going to get weary. What, what happened to this crowd? What made this crowd different? Some Bible genius, pretend like we're in Wednesday night open discussion Bible study. Some Bible genius, tell me what made this crowd different. They waited on the Lord. They waited on, see, because everybody's going to have hardship. Everybody's going to get tired. Everybody's going to fail. Everybody's going to fall down. Everybody's going to have difficult times in their life. But some people are going to wait on the Lord, and some people are not. That's how we tap into the Lord's strength. We wait on Him. It's, it's okay for Him to give us power when we faint and to increase our strength, but what we need is for Him to renew our Strength to give us new strength. Regular strength's not enough in 2021. It's not. Regular strength's not going to get you out of your current crisis. Regular strength's not going to get you from where you are to where God wants you to be. You need a new strength. I need a new strength. That that Hebrew word for renew, it means to change for the better, to alter, to substitute what this person has. For what that person has. And I want to tell you something. If you could take all your strength right now, put it in your hand, and give it to God, and get it replaced with the strength that he has, I promise you, your life would be better. We got to learn how to get this new strength. So how do we wait on it? What that word wait implies patience. It implies looking for. It implies hope. It implies expectancy. In your downtime, do you believe God is going to come through for you or do you believe God has abandoned you? In your hard times when you're pressing and out of strength, do you understand that God knows what he's doing and he's in control? 
This, this is when you begin to get your mind in this waning pro- waiting process. When you fainted and realized you have no power to stop everything that's going on. You, you got to look for the Lord. I, 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 don't, I don't want to bring up pain for anybody. But the, the people that have these pains, they live with these pains on, on a day-by-day basis. And the Bible says that we go through things that are very difficult so we can let God comfort us in them and we can turn around and comfort others. The Bible says that we might comfort others wherewith the same comfort we ourselves have been comforted with. Now, uh, Chiron and I share a, 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 a very similar story. We, we both love the Lord and, and we're both super cute. That's right. We're faithful to church, uh, and, we, and, and, and we don't give up. But, but y'all that know, y'all, y'all know that I lost my wife at, at when she was young. She lost her husband when he was young. And, and, and I can tell you this, if it had not been for the Lord who was on her side, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, if God had not come through for us in the, listen, Real tragedy. Real tragedy. I I had to lean on God so heavy when my wife died because I was doing a lot of counseling at that time. And people literally, within two weeks of my wife dying, I had three different counseling sessions with with people that that I really had to lean on God. One person came in. And, and they were just falling apart, and I'm the pastor, and I'm trying to love them and listen to them. And this, this lady was telling me, I lost my grandmother. I just I couldn't go to work, couldn't breathe, didn't know how she was going to get through, couldn't cook for her own family, wasn't engaged in life anymore, just because grandma, big mama was her everything. And, and I said, well, how old was she? 92 years old, and I just, I need her. I need her so much. And, and in my mind, y'all know what I'm thinking in my mind? 92? I just, how are you crying in front of me? I just lost my wife. She was 36. And in similar story after saying, it just kept coming. And, and, but, but I had to realize at that point, and I thank God for, for growth and maturity, I had to realize that no, no, whether they're 3, 30, 36, 92, 115, it's never a good time to lose somebody that you love. But I can promise you this. When you're going through a tragedy, if you'll wait on God in your pain, if you'll wait on God in your issue, if you'll not pretend like everything's okay, I'm so tired of hurting people telling me that they're blessed and highly favored. I get that you're blessed and highly favored, but if you're struggling and crying yourself to sleep at night, if you're hurting on the inside so bad, you don't know how you're going to take your next breath. If God is the only thing holding you together, you ought to open up your mouth and tell somebody, it's just God keeping me in my right mind. Wait on God. Get to that place where you are patient. When, when you faint it and you understand he's, he's all you've got, maybe you'll realize he's all you need. But I'm going to ask you this as I get ready to close. Are you even expecting him to help you? I've counseled so many people over the last 30 plus years that have told me, well, it's just how I am. It's just who I am. I want to tell you something. God can give you the power to change. He wants to help you. He wants to fix us. He wants to give us new strength. He, he wants to empower us to be and do all he wants us to be and do. But you got to be still. You got to be looking. You got to be expecting great things from a great God. You got to be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. So if you just lay down. If you faint, if you admit, God, I have no power, I can't go on without you. You're in a good spot. When when you confess that you need him, he's right there. When when you are are down and out, if you just decide, I'm just going to lay down and stay out, then you'll just live on your own strength. But if you'll begin to wait on him. See, real waiters watch to see what they can do to please you. And if you'll begin to watch... What you can do to please God. If you begin to look for ways to see God moving, then you can walk 
in the promises of verse 31. It says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You can get new strength. Not only that, but you can mount up with wings as eagles. You can run and not be weary. You shall walk and not faint. There's some people that came in the room today barely moving. Maybe not physically, but emotionally. Spiritually, I want you to know you can run again. You can leap again. You can rejoice again if you learn how to wait on the Lord. You can mount up with wings as eagles. I, I did some study on eagles. This sounded so far-fetched, I had to look it up and, and check it through multiple sources. Uh, an eagle, a golden eagle, not a bald eagle, uh, an eagle can fly at speeds of 200 miles an hour. That's fast. That's, that's really fast. You can, you can mount up with wind. You can fly fast. You, an eagle soars higher than any other bird, 10,000 feet in the sky. An eagle is beautiful and majestic. It's an incredible sight to behold. Your life can be like that. God wants you to be a shining trophy of his grace. God wants to put his grace and his love and his power inside you so that you live such a way, the Bible says, that they will see your father, they will see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven. God wants you to be that soaring eagle. God wants to empower you. God wants you to run and not be weary. He wants you to walk and not faint once you get to this place of waiting on him. But, but it's not the beauty that I want you to behold of the eagle. It's not the height of the flight that I want you to see. It's the effortlessness of the eagle. What, what's that bird that they put bird baths out for and they just flap their wings a lot? Hummingbird. That's a whole lot of effort just to barely get takeoff. And that's how most people are living, flapping your wings so hard just to get any little movement at all. That's not the way God wants you to be. God wants you to fly like an eagle. He, he, he doesn't want you to fly on your own strength. The eagle doesn't flap like a hummingbird. The eagle just... And it's incredible to witness. And it's amazing. And it's effortlessness because he's not flying in his own strength. And I want to ask you today, are you trying to move through life in your own strength? Or have you mounted up like the eagle? See, the eagle doesn't mount up on his wings. He doesn't mount up on, on his own strength. He uses his wings, but his wings aren't what are causing him to fly. He's not flying in his own power. He mounts up on something. He's not carrying himself through the air. He's riding what? The wind. Now, in biblical context, many times the Holy Spirit is illustrated to us through this wind analogy. And this is what I want you to see, and we're going to get out of here. You can fly effortlessly on the wind of God's Spirit, or you can flap your wings and go nowhere and just tire yourself out. Oh, if we had the time and enough honest people in the room this morning, we'd, we'd get some people to admit, I've been flapping, and I'm tired. We get some people say, I ain't even flapping anymore. I'm just tired. But God can give you new strength. He can get you to verse 31, but you got to go through verse 29 and verse 30 to get to verse 31. Get this picture this morning. When the eagle soars high on uh, through the sky, he, he's riding the wind. It's, it's a picture of a spirit-filled life. It, it's an effortless life. It's, it's riding the wind of God's spirit. It's, it's how you can run and not be weary, how you can walk and not faint if you let the spirit of God carry you through life. Some of you are carrying burdens that God wants to take from you. You just got to quit carrying them. He's not going to snatch them away from you. You got to lay them at his feet. He said, cast all your care on me because I care for you. If, if you want a level of strength, a new level of strength today, I want you to mount up on wings like the eagle. I want you to get yourself properly positioned. See, the eagle can't just be sitting around on the ground hanging out with duds complaining about how hard it is to do what he does. The eagle's got to be perched up high. Get on a high perch. The eagle's got to wait for the wind to come. He's got to be poised and ready to leap. He's got to dive into the wind with everything he has. 
So here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to get your mind right. I want you to admit that without God, you can't make it. I want you to admit that it would be easier to ride on the wind of God's Spirit than to keep getting up every day, forcing yourself through this 24-hour existence we call a day. I want you to do, metaphorically, even what the eagle does. I want, I want you to do it for the Lord. I want you to get up on a high place with God. And I want you to be like that eagle. I want you to look. I want you to look. I want you to wait. And I want your whole focus to be on God. When that eagle is at that high perch, he knows what he needs. He needs that wind to carry him. And I want you to get up there, and I want you to watch, and I want you to wait, and I want you to be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. So when that wind comes for you, you can dive out on it, and you can start soaring. You can start flying. You can start moving through life with less effort and more amazement. It's when God carries you that you learn the value of Christianity. For some of you, Christianity is boring. It's, it's, it's rules. It's regulations. It's tiring. It's monotonous. It, it, it's lifeless. But for those who have learned how to let God carry them, it's the greatest life that there is. Let God be the wings beneath your wing. Let God carry you. Let God give you a new strength. Last thing I'm going to ask you. What do you need to quit so that you can soar? What do you need to quit? Everybody in this room needs to quit something. What do you need to quit? Back in youth camp, they still do it in youth camps all over the country. They pass out little pieces of paper to kids. They have them write down the thing they need to quit, the thing they need to give up, the thing that's holding them back, the sin that's in their life. And, and, then, and then they take them to the cross in the front and they nail them to the cross. Or they do what our youth pastor did one time. They put a bucket in the middle of a, of a cabin and they throw it all in the bucket like the bucket on fire and burn the floorboard. True story. I'm not going to make you bring a little slip of paper and nail it on a cross today. I'm not going to light anything in this room on fire. But I wonder what it is you need to quit. For some of you, it's an attitude. For some of you, it's, it's, it's an action. For some of you, it's people. I don't know. But I know this. God is real. And if you want to know what you need to quit, He'll tell you, or he's already told you. The question is, do you want to keep flapping through life, hard, difficult, barely existing, or are you ready to mount up with wings like eagles? Do you want to run for God without being weary? Do you want to walk this walk with the Lord without fainting? If you do, you got to give up on that illusion of control you got to quit that thing that's weighing you down. You can't fly high with a refrigerator strapped to your back. And you got to let go of what's holding you down. And you got to let God have his way in your life. Pray with me. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word, God. I pray that you would help us to quit the things that you would have us to quit. I pray that you would teach us how to wait on you, God. Teach us how to yield control of our life to you. Teach us that it's okay not to be strong in our own strength, but to let your joy be our strength. God, I pray for every person in this room. God, I pray for the saved, that you would draw our hearts closer to you. I pray for the lost, God, that you would save them and pour your love out on them, Father. I pray that you would teach us your way. Your way is better, God. That is our confession. We confess that you are the true and the living God, that your son died for us, and was raised from the dead on the third day to be the first of many. Thank you, God, for resurrection. Thank you for new life. God, I pray that you would help us lay our burdens down. Help us cast our care on you. Help us, God, to get your strength so that we can run this race that you called us to run, so we can get to the 
end of our course and hear you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. We love you, God. And we ask you, strengthen us. Be our power. Carry us for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.